Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Bayern caramelize onion, Dortmund hop to first place in Hoffenheim for a few hours in any case, Leipzig beat Frankfurt and Schalke are alive. All of this and more in Beer and Honey. Welcome, dear listener. Uh, it's our pleasure to be with you again. My name is Christoph. Nein. My name is Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we'll be talking about another very exciting match day in the Bundesliga. But before that, your gentle reminder that we need your help. Please support us by becoming a member of the Supporters Club. Beer and Honey can be found under steadyhq.com slash en beer and honey. Thank you in advance. Christoph, there's only one place to start, and that is, of course, Munich, where Bayern saw off the rebels from East Berlin with a very imperial or imperious 3-0 performance. The kind of performance where Bayern sort of just show up and slap down those little pesky you know, pretenders who kind of just like mosquitoes are just a bit annoying and just swat them, bam, bam, bam. And yeah, the kind of performance, the kind of result that left very little to be desired from a Bayern perspective. But let's first take the Union view, as it were, Christoph. Uh, was that maybe one game too many in a very difficult period for them with the two Ajax games? What do you think? Yeah, it, I, I don't think it was what was a game too many. I, I think it was the a, a game um, in the wrong on the wrong day um, because also uh, Bayern came out of a week where they didn't have international duties. They were uh, they had a whole week to prepare and and I think they did a lot of preparation actually. I think we talk about that later. And yes, in fact, um, uh, Bayern uh, Union looked tired. Um, they didn't look uh, fully concentrated. They um, defended not as high up as they usually do uh, and as they wanted to do um, against uh, against Bayern also. And um, that had to do with the uh, with a very very good performance of Bayern, but also. Um, uh, I, I would have liked uh, uh, to see this game uh, in another week, but 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 also if they would have been more rested, um, uh, probably the same would have happened to to them. Because as you said, they have been so many teams over the years have been coming to Munich with this. Um, oh, we're the hottest team, the surprise team in the Bundesliga. Let's see what we can get out at the Allianz Arena. I mean, typically Borussia Dortmund, uh, but we don't want to rub salts in, in these wounds of them. But but also uh, in in, in uh, Freiburg, for example, uh, this year, the last year, I don't know. I think I think they got um, five twice, and um, so um, yeah, the Union is not alone with this. But Raphael. Um, that was a special week for Bayern, 
and um, because they had a lot to talk about after the defeat in, in Mönchengladbach and um, and they confessed to it. So they, they were partly opened uh, that they had a lot to discuss and and it showed because um, it was a Bayern-like performance or a performance that even Bayern would accept as Bayern-like. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, they had a lot of time to talk because there was no midweek games, which is unusual. And they used that time for a tea meeting uh, of a dinner on Friday night. Of course, uh, the newspapers knew about it and had all the photographies with the players arriving, but... Um, they weren't inside that meeting. At least we haven't heard anything yet. Jürgen <laughs> Nagelsmann said that we all talked about a lot of things and it felt as if Bayern had focus, Bayern had poise, Bayern had purpose. And I also liked the system. Um, it was more of a standard Bayern 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, if you will, um, with players really doubling up on the flanks. I think that's... That was a key feature of this game. Uh, two goals came from wide areas. One came straight down the middle when Union really lost their head. They had a, a goal kick and everyone ran forward and then the ball came back and there was just no one. Uh, bizarre goal to concede. But the others came from sort of classic wing play, really, that we've seen from Bayern over the years with uh, Coman going through. And Müller going through and, of course, having the support of the fullbacks really high up uh, helps a lot. And it was an all-round decent performance. Perhaps they should have scored more goals. That's maybe the one criticism. Uh, Thomas Müller missed missed a lot of chances. Renov uh, had a good uh, good game. But it could have easily been 5-0. And I think Urs Fischer summed it up when he said, we didn't have a chance. And that was quite literal literally the right analysis yeah they had one in in the first half and probably one in the second half but but uh, you're right and i think uh, bayern um, almost had, had four expected goals so normally mm, with <laughs> with these numbers you you get five five or, or, or six goals and um yeah what, what i liked I, I they they looked fresh they looked mobile there was a lot of flexibility there was a lot of movement there everybody was concentrated all the time apart from our good old friend leroy sané who um uh, towards the end of the game almost uh, gave an assist for, for for union um but um yeah uh, I mean, Leroy, let, let's talk a second about, or, or a minute about Leroy Sané because he famously um, missed uh, the team bus on on the. I think it was on the away game to um, to 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 Mönchengladbach. Also, also something um, uh, to discuss uh, in the last week and. And, and maybe to, 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 to combine this, uh, Julian Nagelsmann said after the game, we, we all have to ask ourselves what it means to be, um, to play or, or to work for, for Bayern Munich. And, and to me, it sounded, yeah, addressed towards Leroy Sané. Um, so uh, not coming late to the, to, to the, uh, uh, team departure, but also probably to himself to, to be more, uh, composed under stress. We had this um, 
big discussion about his um, uh, fierce reaction toward the referee after the defeat in Mönchengladbach and 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 so on. Uh, What, what what do you think about it? Yeah, we we don't know if if Nagelsmann himself included himself in this analysis. Um, he kind of hinted at it in an interview uh, that he gave to the Zone afterwards. That uh, he, he said we spoke about what it means to be Bayern player, but also Bayern coach or Bayern staff member. I think a lot of it is still the aftershocks of the Neuer interview, which perhaps put some of those tensions out in the open, but also gave, I think, Nagelsmann an opportunity to say, we have to be better, we have to keep these things in-house, we need to focus more, we shouldn't let others define the narrative for us and create problems from the outside. So there's a little bit sort of a, a fortress siege mentality, I think, that's maybe artificially created, but... Most managers do it when they say, you know, everyone is against us and they all want us to fail and uh, we just have to move closer together and, and and do it really well. Thomas Müller was saying similar things. So I think from time to time, Bayern kind of need that because after 10 championships in a row, I guess there is that feeling that whatever happens, you're somehow going to win the league anyway. And maybe you need those sort of shocks, whether they're external or internal from time to time, just to kind of jolt them back to life and and keep them sharp. And of course, it happens in the Champions League, but we saw last year what happens when the focus suffers in the league. You cannot then always turn it on when it really matters in the Champions League. So maybe this is Nagelsmann learning from his experiences from last season. The team is experienced enough, I think, to draw the their own conclusions. It, it was definitely a very encouraging result and it sets them up really nicely for the next 10 days, which is first a game against Stuttgart and then, of course, the the really super important second leg against PSG in Munich. Yeah, the siege mentality famously um, exploited by Otto Rehagel over many years at Werder Bremen And he, he created the, very successfully created this atmosphere about Werder Bremen that, that it's like, um, everybody is against us, especially the journalists. And, uh, but, but we're here inside, inside our castle, uh, with the players and with the staff. And, and also, um, Otto Reagel famously includes, uh, included the, um, the wives of the players, for example, with his wife, Beate, who took uh, took care of them. Um, but he failed with it um, at Bayern. Um, but but uh, that's just an abbreviation. Um, um, I mean, I, I think we've see, said it so often, um, but uh, it's there's only one team uh, that decides who uh, becomes German champion, and that is Bayern. And... Um, And un I must say, unfortunately, <laughs> they look back on track. Yeah, they certainly did. And I can see, we will maybe find out about this a bit later, but I can see Julian Nagelsmann saying something like, you know, after 10 years of Bayern success, people want to see you fail. People want to see a different champion. People will be happy if somebody else wins it. Do you want to give people that satisfaction? You know, do you want to make people happy or are you going to say we are by Munich? And today was that sort of performance. And 
before we came, um, before we started recording, you compared Bayern to the Death Star. And of course, it was that very much sort of destroying a galaxy of dreams sort of performance <laughs> and uh, just ruthlessly kind of uh, destructive dominance of um, of this mon red monolith. But, you know, that's that's what they're built to do. Uh, the the club song of Bayern is Stern des Südens, Star of the uh, South. And um, um, some years ago, I don't know if it's still available in the El Freunde shop, uh, the <laughs> the merchandising of a magazine. You you could buy a sweatshirt or a hoodie uh, uh, with Death Star of the South. Uh, Todesstern des Südens and um, uh, that came into my mind. Yeah, because it's actually, uh, actually um, exactly um, uh, what you're saying. Um, they come to destroy, to destroy <laughs> the hopes of, of a lot of people in Germany uh, for a more competitive competition. But um, there are contenders. I mean, probably not Union Berlin, but Bayern is uh, on the same level as um, Borussia Dortmund. Both teams have 43 points. Um, how serious do you take Borussia Dortmund as a contender? I think we have to take them seriously because they have found that consistency. They are still player for player, even squad for squad, not at the same level as Bayern. They don't have true world-class players with the exception of Jude Bellingham. I would say everyone else is is good, but not quite the Bayern standard. But they have depth. I think they've managed to tap into that Dortmund energy that Eden Terzic has tried to harness. Uh, you remember when I met him in January in Marbella, he was talking about this mission of creating this kind of experience again and giving people a sense of excitement and the sense that the team are really trying hard and, and playing well and it's sort of happened and I think there are still weaknesses you can still see games like the one against Hoffenheim where you feel maybe a draw is is not impossible so they don't have that total dominance that a good buying team have where you just know for the other team there is really no chance unless it's like super super lucky uh, the games are a bit more open are a bit more even but to Dortmund's credit, they found ways of winning and they seem to be a lot more resilient. And that is, I think, the big difference. Uh, many people said it on Twitter, but I think it's, it's definitely true. This exactly was the sort of game that maybe last season, the season before, they would have drawn. Somehow in the last minute, they concede a stupid goal where somebody switches off from a corner. And, um, and again, you're three points adrift of Bayern as it is. Dortmund were top for about 24 hours and now they're still joint top just separated by goal difference which is is very decent very very decent and the minimum they should aspire to and uh, the symbol of this um, new Borussia uh, the the Borussia of mentality and resilience is astonishingly Julian Brandt who managed to score a goal with his back um to be fair, I think he tried to get out of the way and and then um, the ball bounced on his back and from there into the Hoffenheim goal for... Jule got back. Yeah. 
<laughs> and he was he was very good. And um, and uh, Gregor Kobel um, was was again very good. And um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I I agree with you. They are um, they are serious contenders. And um, if Bayern is offering something. We have to take the chance, and uh, and if Bayern, it looks very unlikely today, but but if Bayern is is offering something to to their um, competitors, uh, I think Borussia will be the team uh, to be there. Um, but it will severely tested next Friday because they're playing at home um, uh, against Leipzig. Um, Uh, the team I picked as the first um, Bayern Jäger uh, before the restart of the Bundesliga. Let's see what comes out of that. Well, that's going to be a huge game because not only did Leipzig win themselves, they beat uh, Frankfurt 2-1 to move closer into the Champions League places, but also, of course, the fact that Dortmund after that game on Friday have on Tuesday the away trip to Chelsea. And you just wonder... Um, Christopher, I, I wonder if you wonder as much as I do, but I, I do wonder whether or how the Champions League will impact uh, the title race. Because if Bayern and Dortmund both progress, then of course it doesn't change that much. If it's only Bayern, I think it might be a huge advantage for Dortmund because the Champions League will inevitably dominate Bayern's thoughts and and dreams and ambitions. And then when you play, let's say, I don't want to say Bochum because I know you have a special place in your heart, but uh, yeah, let's say um, Mainz, for example, it's going to be tricky if you got Real Madrid next in the quarterfinals. But we can worry about that when it happens. Should we talk a little bit more about Leipzig? I mean, they had a very strong performance against a very good Frankfurt team. They had a very good first half against a very, very good, good first half Fra Frankfurt again against a very good Frankfurt team in the second half. And uh, now, my my question to you is: Is it now too early to say that they're no longer the second best team because you've kind of changed your mind and said, "Oh, it's not Leipzig; it's Dortmund now"? Or should we just keep them? in our minds a little bit longer because they only have to beat Dortmund on Friday to, I think, maybe reclaim that Bayern Jäger, the Bayern Hunter title, in my mind anyway. It looks like as if they um, have a bit more quality um, um, than, than Dortmund without having this... Um, outstanding player um, uh, that uh, Jude Bellingham is. They have st still have their Willy Orban and their Halstenberg and, and so on. But, um, um, but, but they, have, they have a lot of quality on the pitch right now. And Emil Forsberg, for example, is, is back. Um, he um, looks like a Looks like being in a very good form right now. Christopher Nkunku, who would be their outstanding player, is slowly returning to the team. I think the um, the, the the difference in quality between uh, Dortmund and um, and uh, RB is is uh, is very small, and I wouldn't wouldn't be sure. 
to pick one team to be really obviously stronger than the other. The difference in quality also isn't as big between Schalke and the rest of the league anymore. Uh, it wouldn't have escaped your attention, Christoph, that they beat Stuttgart 2-1 and they're still bottom of the table, but only three points away from 15th spot. Okay, they have a poor goal difference, so it's really four points, but four points from safety is not as hopeless a case as we thought it might be. So Schalke, they're back? Question mark? No, no um, exclamation mark, because um, we, we already said it last week that um, probably uh, apart from Dortmund, um, Schalke is the most improved uh, team when you compare the first part of the season with the second half. And now um, uh, we, we, we were joking about this Schalke, um, uh, instead of Schalke 04, uh, to call them Schalke 0-0, because they had four nil-nils in, in a row. But now, after this 2-1 uh, win against Stuttgart, they are the team that is the undefeated in five games. So, um, um, yeah, there is a... Um, a lot of uh, defensive stability. They also managed to uh, score two goals after after a while. I think they were also a bit lucky um, to get it over the line, this 2-1, uh, um, because uh, Stuttgart was terrible in the first half, but um, improved in the second half and could have, could have scored an easy equalizer. But yeah, um, now uh, next week um, is a um, for me it's a is a, a terrible game on and on Saturday it's Bochum against uh, Schalke and um, if Schalke wins it um, they belong to they're in this group of of clubs that has 19 points now that is also Stuttgart and Hoffenheim and then there is Hertha with 20 points who managed to. Uh, went 2-0 in the snowy, icy, <laughs> freezing Olympia Stadium in, in, in Berlin. A very, very important win uh, for, for them. And uh, so we have, um, we have a, um, a terrific uh, relegation fight. And, and yes, and, and Schalke is um, or can be If they manage to to win at Bochum, they can be in the middle of it. Yeah, absolutely. And just to underline your analysis that Schalke are the second most improved, or maybe by their standards, the most improved Bundesliga side in the second half of the season. The first 11 games under Frank Kramer, they had a expected goals differential of about minus... 0.5 per game so they basically started every game if you will half a goal down and then it's not surprising if you lose and that doesn't even uh, it does include but it doesn't even uh, take into account that they lost that game against Union 6-1 where somehow <laughs> the XG was actually in their favor um, but since then uh, Thomas Reis have, has improved them exactly by that half half a goal and now they're 0.06 so exactly in the middle, which means basically every game can be a defeat or a loss, which if you're Schalke is a huge, a huge improvement to basically starting every game 
as as real underdogs. So Thomas Reis, um, he knows what he's doing. It would be quite bittersweet if somehow Schalke were to stay up and Bochum were to go down after he, of course, traded them. Um, Bochum lost, uh, I'm sorry to say, 3-0 uh, away to Werder Bremen. And they're part of that basement mix that you don't really want to be involved with. But I guess when you're far for Bochum, you are accustomed to that. You're ready for that. Let's see if Thomas Letch can can save them. I think before we go, there's one more team we have to discuss, and that is the so-called craziest team in the Bundesliga now, Christoph. How did, what did you call them last week? The strangest, the weirdest, the most enigmatic team? They are not enigmatic. Uh, you know what you get from them. It's a, it's a great game. They show up. Oh, we have to go to Mainz. Ah, oh, Mainz, terrible. They always running and they always kicking you. And they are so many fouls. Can we go home earlier? Um, and then they went earlier. The famous Borussia Mönchengladbach going down 4-0 in Mainz um, and uh, having again a performance that... Uh, Frust deeply frustrated our producer York, um, um, who is, uh, um, I, I think, closely watching the match calendar when the next big team shows up for Borussia Mönchengladbach to, to get a decent performance for them. I mean, that's, uh, I, I'm joking, but, but in a way, it's, mm. it's, it's embarrassing. You're joking, but it's not funny because it is true. <laughs> um, I mean, Daniel Farke afterwards said it couple of remarkable things I thought he said we're lacking resilience and we're lacking quality and we need to make sure that we get that in in the summer so really he was saying to his team you are not good enough and you're weak and soft I need different players I think that is quite a gutsy line to take because you know some players might say yeah he's got a point others might say who are you who are you to talk about how resilient or quality we are you know just watch your watch your own back uh former norwich city and borussia dortmund to coach so quite a remarkable i would say verbal escalation uh, that's happening um also oliver virkus was quite strong the sporting director said uh he was super angry about the stupidity of some of the goals that gladbach let in They had, you mentioned, Christoph, the running, uh, they were sort of outrun, not by a kilometer or two, but massively. I can't remember the exact stat, but it was a huge differential, eight kilometers. Um, our producer, but, but that's normal uh, York for them, is showing us. Eight is normal? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they had it several times. I uh, think it's great uh, if see? you have the ball. Um, if you don't have the ball and the opposition running... <laughs> <laughs> Eight kilometers more than uh, it's a I problem. I think when they lost 4-1 in, 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 um, in Berlin, I think it was even nine kilometers there. I mean, they, it's a, it's a bit like, um, for you, when you look at the stats for Bayern, for example, they also very often run less than their opponent because they let the ball do the work. But, and, but, but if you pretend to be Bayern and do, do the ball, Uh, let the ball do your work 
you, you better should be able to do it. On, and um, and that's not what Borussia Mönchengladbach is doing. What we have to, to think about, Borussia Mönchengladbach is a massive club in Germany. It's a It has a huge supporters base. It's probably behind... Um, Uh, uh, Bayern, Dortmund and Schalke, the fourth biggest team in, in Germany, when it has a nationwide support, it has international supporters and, and so on. It has a huge history. Um, and, and I, I, so, so this, what, what we are here, um, joking about is, is creating a lot of frustration among a lot of, uh, people. And, um, and I think the, the, the next summer for Borussia Mönchengladbach will be very, 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 very important, uh, to, to turn things around. And, um, uh, because it's, um, um, they can, they, they, there is a fair chance that they get into a kind of down, uh, downward spiral, uh, to wherever. And we have seen it before. We have seen it with Berda Bremen. We have seen it with Hamburg, who are probably back in the Bundesliga next year. Let's see. But, um, Yeah, it's a shame what's, what's going on at Borussia Mönchengladbach. It is a shame and there will have to be a big rebuilding process, but without the money from European football, in all likelihood, which is going to make things a little bit difficult. Um, but before we go, um, our producer York had a great suggestion for a, a learning Fußball Deutsch. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. Now, it's not inspired by Borussia Mönchengladbach, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Uh, Christoph, what was his suggestion? Um, the word we are talking about here is Dreifachbelastung. And this is, I think, the literal translation is triple load or something. Is that, yeah, triple um, burden, I might, I might say. But yeah, triple load is, is good. Um, uh, and what's the concept behind it? The concept is that you are in three competitions and therefore burdened with a lot of games and with pressure and uh, struggling because of it. That is always the implication, unless, of course, you are used to it, like Bayern and a few others, and say, yeah, that's what we want. But the Dreifachbelastung or Doppelbelastung, it's uh, the little sister of Dreifachbelastung, um, <laughs> is... Uh, is quite common, of course, and is often used as an explanation or an excuse to explain uh, or to justify a bad performance, uh, mostly in the league. So Union, was it a Dreifachbelastung? Maybe. I don't think we, we can all agree that uh, playing Ajax twice was probably not helpful. Uh, when you have Bayern next. But, but um, um, uh, honestly, uh, Union is very happy about the Dreierbelastung, uh, Dreifachbelastung. Um, so nobody is complaining about it. Um, they know that they have uh, much less um, free days than they probably would have expected in, uh, before the start of the season. But... Um, Everybody is perfectly happy about it. Yeah, it's like one of those Mormon marriages where, you know, there's a lot going on, but people <laughs> people are happy with that. So who, who are we to judge? That is not good fun. 
anyway, that's all we got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed yet and become a member of the Supporters Club, can I please encourage you to do so? Uh, best place is to go to steadyhq.com slash en slash beer and honey. Uh, we'll be back next week after another exciting round of weekend games. Until such time, I was Ravel Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. Das war doch schön heute. <laughs>